All right. Good morning, Five Stones Church. We're going to go to Ben Goodman now, uh, who is going to be sharing the message with us this morning. I want to say good morning, but it's afternoon here. I'm so confused. Um, this has been, I've done a lot of Zoom conferences with uh, leadership teams and things like that, but never done it with the whole church. Um, I think ultimately it's always better to be close, but I am just so surprised and blessed about the dynamics over these last three, three days. Um, there's been a sense of fellowship and closeness, and most importantly, there's just been this, this sense of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's just been really cool. So for someone who's older than most everybody who's listening, um, this new technology is it's exciting and challenging. Uh, so I've been really, really enjoying this time. Um, you know, I miss Greg and, and Rich because, you know, when we minister together, there's always a great dynamic and they get their opportunities to pick on me and uh, they haven't been able to do it for a few months, but they've been able to catch up a little bit. So I feel appropriately loved and victimized. Thank you. Um, Five Stones is in a really interesting position, just like many churches, but I want to focus on Five Stones. I'm not going to say this is the thing that God's doing, but I want to emphasize one thing that God is doing. Um, to set the stage for that, I want to remind everybody that everything that God creates, everything that he initiates, he does with a purpose and an end state, like a destiny in mind. We'll call those promises. This is true of nations. This is true of groups, true of families and individuals. It's also true of churches. And I believe every, every church that God has started, as they grow and mature, they actually discover more and more of why God planted them. It's, it's, it's just a, an, an unfolding. The idea that, that we have this great, perfect, well-thought-out idea of what our church is supposed to look like 15 years uh, from now, God usually doesn't give that much detail. He gives us enough to go forward in terms of, of, of planning, uh, and he gives us this passion for the something more. Five Stones is like that. It's amazing the progression, uh, the journey that Five Stones has gone through. And I believe Five Stones is now like on a precipice or a time of preparation for a very new season. Now, with every promise, there comes challenges. And on Friday, I talked about how we really need to look at the challenges that come our way. Many people, they'll say amen to the promises, the great plans that God has, but as soon as they start focusing on the challenges, they go, these challenges, uh, they're, they're deal killers. They are, they're, it's not worth the pain. I might change, or it's too hard. The promises are not greater than God himself. And so God blesses us. He loves us. He cares for us. 
but we don't enter into the fullness of why he created us. And uh, Caleb was a guy who was a little different, that everybody saw the same challenges, but he and Joshua, they saw the promise. And because God had given them that promise, they looked at challenges as opportunities instead of obstacles. And that, that's a foundational thing for every church family, that, that God is always trying to bring the church family to the place of, yes, we love the blessings, but we know there's more, and going forward, no matter what the challenges are, they're worth it. Now, the story of Israel, uh, hopefully, again, uh, like I did on Friday, just remind yourself that God delivered people, the people of Israel, out of bondage and set them on a course toward the promises, the land of milk and honey. There are a lot of miracles, a lot of victories, a lot of blessings. Um, but as they started getting closer, um, God sent out, uh, Moses sent out some uh, spies that came back with a report. Caleb rose up and said, we can do it. And scripture says, those who went in, um, they're the ones who sort of thought and felt um, like Caleb. They had an excellent spirit. They had a different spirit. They actually looked at challenges as opportunities. So anyway, they're about to cross over. If you turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. And Joshua is waiting to take the big step into the land, a big step into a very, very new season. And I'm just going to read this and then give you a couple points. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is a, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people prepare. This will be very important. Now then, this is not consider this later or put this in your back pocket. There's a, there's a now here. Now prepare. Um, various translations say it a little differently. In some, it's like get ready or arise and be poised to go forward. Anyways, it says you and all these people prepare to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all <clears throat> the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. The word of God is going to be very important what I'm about to say. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Years ago when I read this, when I saw the now prepare to go over, I had this idea that he was saying, get ready, get the supplies, get the money, get the people, get the organization, get the structure. And I'm sure God included that. But I thought that whatever followed was God just sort of inspiring Joshua. But I'm looking back, I'm starting to think, no, that's not true. That as soon as God says, now prepare, well, God started preparing Joshua and the people like now to get ready to go over. So I'm going to go over some of the things that are packed into that portion of Scripture. God started preparing the people of God to cross into a new season immediately. Um, you know what a good father does? He does many things, but one is he wants them to succeed. He may even have a great idea um, of what they, what they really can be. A good father says, I want, it, want you to do this, and here's how you get there. He doesn't just say, go for it, you're free. He's going, go for it, and here's some things that if you embrace them and grow in them, you will succeed. God is fathering Joshua. He's fathering the people of Israel. He's about to lay in certain things that if they embrace and grow in them, they will be prepared to take the land, to live in the land, to be prosperous in the land. They'll be able to be equipped to experience more and more of the promise of God. So I have one, two, three. Well, I only have five things that I, I believe it would be good for us now to embrace. It's going to be a while before you guys are going to get together and gather and the whole COVID thing. This is a great time to prepare. This is a great time to take seriously what I'm about to share with you. Um, one of the best times to prepare for war is during times of relative peace. And the people of God, they, they weren't in any war, but they knew as soon as they went into the land, there was going to be warfare. Why? Because wherever they set their foot, wherever they set their feet, people are already there. There's going to be battles. So this is a unique time to get realigned, to get equipped, to get ready for the new season that God has for you. So here's the first one. Get ready to reinvent. Not just improve, but get ready to reinvent. Embrace the fact that to go forward, God's just going to change things. Um, how, you, how you do Christianity, how you do church, you're not going to be secret sensitive. You're not going to get all weird, but there'll, there'll be some structural changes. There'll even be some things that you know, what does outreach look like in a post-church culture? <clears throat> you got great leadership, great leadership. But even how you even view leadership is going to change. Moses was great. He had a great leadership style. It was perfect to bring people out of captivity toward the promises. But Joshua, his leadership style was not to lead everybody but to equip other leaders 
to maximize the people's capacity to take land. So there's going to be a lot of reinvention. It won't happen all at once. Uh, I know Rich well enough. He's smart enough to do things gradually. But there is a lot of innovation and reinvention that God's going to bring to Five Stones Church. It will it, it'll be changes, but it will better equip the church to take more of the land, to have a greater footprint, a greater kingdom influence. So that's the first thing. Get ready to reinvent. As a side note, I want to share a personal story. Oh, I think it was in June. I had uh, I was going to go on a retreat, four and a half days, my favorite place up in the mountains. And a couple days before that, I was reading in Isaiah 6. And hopefully you know the story. Isaiah had been a faithful uh, minister uh, in the house of God um, for the first five chapters of his life. And then chapter 6, he meets God in a deeper way. He, he gets cleansed of stuff, and he's undone. And God forgives him and blesses him. And then he says, who will go for us? Who shall we send? And I went, oh, my gosh. This is what's happened to the church in America, at least. Its context has been sort of removed. Isaiah started getting undone when his king died. He understood his ministry in terms of how he related to the existing king. The king dies, and all of a sudden, he's in a free fall. And I said, God is actually calling the church to recommit, to go, here I am, Lord, send me, no conditions. And so I wrote it up. One day I'll preach on this, but I was really excited. And then I went on my retreat, and little did I know that what I was going to preach on, I spent four and a half days being undone. And, the, and it wasn't punishment. God wasn't mean to me. I was, I was undone so that I would be in a position to allow God to reinvent me, to do different things in my life and through my life. So I'm not saying that the church will go through something similar, but that's an extreme case. But that reinvention almost always means undoing some things that has carried you forward. So reinvent. Second, remember. By the way, these, these five things that I have, they all start with the word R-E, and I did not do that in, on purpose. It just happened. Remember who it is that's making the promises. Remember who it is that says he's with you. Um, God takes Joshua and said, see these promises? Look at your territory. Look at the footprint I'm going to give you. And I'm going to be with you. I won't leave you. I'll be with you. Um, God is not a trickster. God doesn't throw out crazy things with the idea of tricking you to go forward. He really means it. I mean, when he has a plan, he goes, here's my big plan for you. I mean it. I, I know the end from the beginning, and just follow me, and you'll experience the fullness of my plan for your life. And not only follow me, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to stick with you. God is not a trickster. He doesn't set us up to lose, to be destroyed. He doesn't set us up to be 
disappointed by God. He doesn't do that. He's very generous. His vision for our lives, for the lives of the church, is a lot bigger than we ask for or imagine. And the fact that he is with us, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just being American here. The fact that he is with us, the strong one, the creator of everything, the one who can do anything, without him, with him, nothing's impossible. The fact that he's with us should be a game changer. It should be the thing that no matter what excuse we have, no matter what weakness we have, we can go, yes, but Jesus Christ, because he's with us, he's larger than our excuses. He will demonstrate that he's the Lord over all our weaknesses and our excuses. So many times to go forward, we just have to remember that these promises from God are promises from God. And when he says he's going to be with us, he really is going to be with us. He'll fight for us. Who can fight against the Lord? Here's the third one. Recommit to prioritizing God's word. I don't, I don't know a nice way to say this. But most people who, who, who are Christians, if you ask them, do you believe it's the word of God? Yes, the Bible is the Word of God. Do you believe that the Word of God, God's opinions, are the ultimate authority on what counts as truth? And because they're Christians, they know the right answer. They go, well, the Bible, of course. Yes, that's the truth. Got to remember, these people are about to go into the promised land. Now, this promised land is populated by people who don't believe in God. And their values are radically different than the values that God has for his people. Their truth is very different than God's truth. They are going to be going into a context, a culture, that not only will be different, but will be hostile. Um, in Joshua uh, chapter 1, God says, Look, meditate on Scripture. I mean, really get into Scripture. Um, I'll use a secular term. Get brainwashed now. Get brainwashed now with God's Word. Um, one time I was doing revival meetings a long time ago. They were like the kind of things that people write about. Um, it was an incredible time. And I was in a bank in that, in that town, and this lady comes up to me and she goes, aren't you Ben Goodman? And I went, yes. I thought she wanted me to maybe autograph her Bible or something. But uh, what actually happened, she started yelling at me in the bank, says, what you're doing to those kids, college kids, you're just brainwashing them. My daughter has gone to all your meetings and you're just brainwashing all these people, all these kids. And I'd never heard that before. And I was on my heels and what came out of my mouth was this. I go, well, I suppose you're right, but the issue is not whether or not someone's brainwashed. The issue is what do you wash your brain with? And boy, that stopped her, and I felt pretty smart. God said that. And I could have just stopped there, but you know what I actually did? I went, so what do you wash your brain with? I, I just lost. I won the battle, but I lost that war. It was just horrible. But here's the thing. 
Here's how you find out whether or not you prioritize God's word. It's not a theoretical thing. When the clear teaching of scripture conflicts with your very best ideas, your most deeply held convictions, your deeply held feelings, when those two things conflict, to what or to whom do you yield? That's when you find out. If there's someone that you really don't like or you're really offended at, or they're just carriers of microaggressions and all this sort of stuff, and you want to do something, you want to dismantle them, you want to cancel them, you want to just look down on them. And then God just says, well, why don't you just bless them? Why don't you love them? Why don't you pray for them? And you go, wait a second. They're bad people. Don't you see? I was reading Ephesians, I think it was about five, six weeks ago. And in that, I can't even remember exactly what I was reading, but in the middle of it, I had this aha moment. The aha moment was this. The New Testament, all of it, was written in circumstances that were very dark and actively hostile to Christianity. Nothing compared uh, that, that we experience now compares to when um, the Bible was written. It was tough. And when I had that realization, this is what came out of my mouth. I went, God, you already gave us the playbook. You gave us the playbook way back then. We don't have to do anything different. We just have to just get enmeshed in the playbook, you know, meditate on what you actually say, brainwash ourselves with your word. If you, if you do that, God, if, if we do that, you promise that we'll be prosperous and successful into a land that's going to be hostile to us. So I think this would be a great time. If you've cut mutual non-aggression packs, I know this is what God says, this is what the Word says, but I've got a better idea, or maybe, maybe well, God, surely since you love me, I can hold this idea. I'm not being like some religious thought police, but God's very serious. I want you to experience the fullness of the promises. Are you willing when there's a conflict between my clear teaching and what you really think? Are you willing to yield? Are you willing to let me teach you my ways? Because if you will, if you'll let me teach you my ways, guess what? You'll be prosperous in the land that I'm bringing you into. So reinvent, get ready to reinvent. Remember who's making the promises. Remember who is with you. Recommit to prioritizing God's word. And then receive from God, even in the areas where you think you're strong. This is, we all know that where we are weak, that's where God's strong. And there's always this divine exchange. We confess our weaknesses. We invite God into the places that we are weak so that he can be strong in those areas. But I want to emphasize this. Receive from God in the places where you think you're strong. Why do I say that? Three times God tells Joshua, 
Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you? I mean, he kept on emphasizing that. And who he was talking to was a very strong, very courageous guy. As a matter of fact, he had a great history. He had a great track record of being strong and courageous. Why would God remind a strong and courageous man to be strong and courageous. I believe there's a couple things. Many times the strengths that brought us to where we are may not be the things that God wants to use to bring us to where we want to go. But many times a reliance on the strength that God has given us in the past can put us in a place of complacency. I can do this. I mean, if someone comes into me with, um, with with a counseling situation, I have to, I'm not, and by God's grace, I'm pretty good at it. If someone comes in and they have this problem, I go, oh, I know what that problem is. I, I've worked with people with that problem dozens of times, and if I'm not careful, I may be formulaic and go, well, since I've done it before, I can do the same thing here. What I really need is more of the Holy Spirit so I can be creative and I can customize the ministry that's right in front of me. I believe God imparted greater strength and greater courage to Joshua because he's going to need it. Because the kind of battles that he was going to fight were not the kind of battles he had fought before. So, Get ready to reinvent. Just keep on reminding yourself, remember who makes the promises. Remember who is with you. Recommit to prioritizing God's word, because then you'll be prosperous and successful. Receive from God, even in the areas where you think you're strong. And here's the last one. Renew your personal relationship with the Lord. Now, this was not in the original Joshua 1 portion of Scripture. There was something that God, he just sort of waited until Joshua chapter 3. I want you to get this picture. God tells Joshua and the people, look, be like Caleb. Love the promises more than the difficulties. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here's how I want to prepare you to go into the land and go through the land. I'm going to give you some things that as you grow in them, you will be able to experience more and more of the promises. And, you know, <clears throat> get ready to be reinvented. Remember, recommit, receive, all these REs. But the last one was renew your personal relationship with the Lord. In Joshua chapter 3, God says this to Joshua. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord represents the manifest presence of God, the very Spirit of God himself. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. This is another one of, it's great to have the Word of God, to be brainwashed by the Word of God, to be, you know, interpret the world in terms 
of God's word instead of letting the world interpret God's, God's word. Instead of doing all that, you have all these things set up. But what's really going to get you through is have such a close personal relationship that if you're willing to let him teach you how to follow you in the everyday things of life, then you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. It's really weird. God doesn't give us a map. He doesn't say, well, here's the path. This one. He just gives us just what we need. There's something about you can have a lot of biblical wisdom and being able to interpret the world rightly through biblical eyes. You can have all the faith in the world, but God wants us to, if there's anything that's getting in the way of our personal relationship with the Lord, allow God to take it so our relationship with the Holy Spirit is fresh. Then we'll be led by God. Then we'll know which way to go. Then when he leads us into new places, we won't be freaked out because we know it's the Holy Spirit who led us. So I want to pray for five stones. Um, nothing that I've said is designed, it's even intended to rebuke or correct. This is just this time to prepare now for the things that God has for you, because there will be a crossing over. So I want to pray for us. Lord, we're so thankful that you started this church. Um, you're so faithful to lead this church through many different seasons. Uh, the, 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 the personal growth, the maturity, just the, the testimony of victory after victory after victory. It's just awesome. It's just awesome. But here we are. We're, we're at a place we know there's more. There's a new season ahead of us. And so, God, I ask that by your spirit, you would, you would touch our hearts, touch our minds, so that we'd be willing to embrace how you want to reinvent us. And, and, and embrace how you want to do some innovation in our personal and corporate lives. Just, God, just bring oil so that we can embrace the changes that you're going to bring us into. Holy Spirit, would you just help us keep on focusing on, this is not just some plan, this is some, cause us to remember who it is that's making the promises. And not just the promises themselves, but you made the promises. You are the one that says you're going to be with us. You're the one who says that you'll fight with us. Help us to remember this as we go forward because we will have opportunity to choose to remember. And God, I ask there would be just a, just a, a new, fresh recommitment to, to getting into the Word of God and to allow the Word of God to shape how we understand the world, how we understand ourselves. Um, God, we ask that you would give us even more of what you've already given us. Where we're strong, we'd like to be stronger. Where we, we have faith, God, we ask for more faith. We ask for downloads of increases in the good things that you've already given us. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would lead us and guide us to renew our relationship with you. I want to pray this scripture all of, over all of us. It's in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. 
This is not just a pat on the head to a church. This is actually Paul praying an apostolic prayer, which if it finds traction, it would help the Corinthian church go into a new season of maturity. I'm going to pray that same thing over y'all. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I'm going to just say it again. This fellowship of the Holy Spirit is going to be the mark of this church. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Uh, now's the time to prepare. God bless you guys. I'm done. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Ben, for that wonderful word. Really key foundation stones for us as we prepare. I really like it because it points us towards having foresight, not being reactionary to the situation, but being proactive and understanding that as we do our stuff now, as um, the season changes and COVID lifts, we're going to be ready uh, and prepared by God and the Holy Spirit to take the next step. I do want to add a, a sixth R to the sermon. Pastor Rich loves you. So you can put that as your little P.S. So um, <clears throat> thank you, everyone, for being part of our service.